to Armchair Directors. I am one half of your host team. I'm Matt James, and with me as always is my co-host, Richard Padden. Rich, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good, but honestly, nobody cares about me. Everyone cares about our guest star today. Yeah, we have the uh, the third leg of our team. You know, the it's like third a, half of your hosts. Yeah, the third half of your hosts. <laughs> so yes, Kevin Tumlinson. Uh, Big time, big time, biggest author you'll ever hear speak on my show. Uh, you ask me about it for sure. (laughs) (laughs) No, Kevin is back uh, as we hoped he would be to talk Ghostbusters 2 uh, since he was gracious enough to come on last week. And uh, as long as scheduling permits, he'll be on next week when we dive into Ghostbusters Afterlife. I'm Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I am. Yeah. I was excited yeah. about Ghostbusters 1. Very excited because it is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Not yeah. quite as excited about Ghostbusters 2. But yeah, so saying I'm that not, and I fair. No, it, yeah, but you also you have you haven't like we were talking last week you haven't seen it as much. You haven't seen it since you were younger, so It was not yeah, it wasn't yeah. the movie I connected with, but exactly. um I did rewatch it. I have to admit it it was better than I recalled. Okay. It had some really. It it actually, as you pointed this out last last week, methods. It's got great one-liners. There's a lot of great one-liners yeah. in this in this movie. Oh, definitely. Yeah, a lot of great lines, and of course, Rick Moranis is behind a lot of them. So, you know, the Tully Lewis Tully's character has just so many great lines, uh, or, or he's at least a part of them. So, yeah. Uh, and, and like you said, he was your favorite. You know, he was like the all-star of Ghostbusters for you. He was so. the all-star. He was the secret sauce of Ghostbusters. He really was. He really Other was. than Peter Venkman. Venkman's why I came, but Tully's why I stayed. Fair enough. Fair oh, enough. The no. Heart. The heart he, of the Ghostbusters. He really is. He really is. And at the end of Ghostbusters 2, he truly becomes a Ghostbuster. He, yeah. Yeah. So. Which, yeah. I don't know how... I, spoilers. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> at least in his own head at least in his own head he becomes a ghostbuster so you know what was interesting about it i know we're, we'll jump right in I'm, I, I, yeah I, I know you guys have a format i don't want to disrupt your format. no we don't we, ha- we have a format when yeah. did that happen I hate to inform you guys. who who told uh, you that <laughs> who's who, the who told interesting you? thing about this movie i did i did some reading up to so that i could be prepared because i i'm like i i don't show have, research is good show yeah, research, research is- I did a little bit of research, and I, I didn't have a background on this movie the way I did sure. on the first one. But I, I, you know, I found I figured some things out. But um, you know, it came at that point in cinematic history where there were a lot of like dad films, so like Three Men and a Baby, and you know, mm-hmm. mo- movies about fatherhood. You know, uh, or was or this sort Mr. Of, uh, was this Mr. Mom? Or was that later? Oh, that was before. Like Mr. Mom was way before. Goes really? way too. before. Okay. Because this is eighty nine. This is eighty nine. So, was, um, Mr. Mum was before Beetlejuice. It was before Batman eighty nine. That was actually Michael Keaton's big breakout movie role. It was Mr. Mum right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then when he did Beetlejuice, everyone was like, "Okay, it's still comedy." And then when well, he did Batman, Batman, well, you know what it is. I also forget that this movie was five years after the original. Yeah. Because of BS with the Columbia president and them not getting yeah, along this, with the cast. Yeah, there was a lot cast. of controversy with it. This a film lot. almost was okay. not made. See, it I basically was, it, it wasn't. The original crew. It basically the original, wasn't uh, until, yeah. yeah, until the Columbia president was fired. Okay, see, I didn't know any of that because for me, this movie, I actually have seen this movie more than Ghostbusters 1. Okay. Which, 
and and that's because I do love the Scolari brother sequence at the beginning, and then at the end with the Statue of Liberty, and you know, your yeah. love keeps lifting me higher. Yeah, <laughs> as a, as a kid, the Statue of Liberty scene was just so yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was the thing for me. Yeah. Um, and and honestly, I'll admit it. I actually haven't done much research for this episode, <laughs> so chances are you guys are probably going to get a lot of oh hell, I didn't know that from me today. <laughs> Good. That's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was. There was controversy. This was a lot of it, too, um, from the production team, from the studio, from some of the actors. Hello. I learned a lot, actually, in my research. Yeah. So it's, it'll be fun. I, I learned. And, and so, Matt, you had said you're the one who pointed out that um, the guy voicing Vigo was not the same as the actor. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, Max von Sato. Um, yes. Yeah, he, he did the voiceover. And it was... Uh, Wilhelm von Homburg, mm -hmm. who who played Vigo, who had died uh, only a short time before that in Die Hard. Yep. So, and I had no idea. I yeah, he's no the idea. the machine gun, right? Yeah. Is he the ho ho ho? Now he he he's was the machine. Yeah. yeah, I believe you're right. Yeah. Yeah, he had the. I I, I recognize the hair because he had the same that same <laughs> long blonde hair. hair. Yeah. 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 Apparently he yeah. Well, was you, a, you mean uh, that you're a trash hairstyle? Yeah. More or less. <laughs> and apparently he didn't know that his voice had been dubbed over until he was seeing the film at the premiere and he got pissed <laughs> off and walked out. <laughs> Can you imagine well, that though? Like you're here's your big yeah. shot. But he has a he had a lisp. He's passed away, by the way. He's not he's no longer yeah. alive. But uh he he had a, a like a lisp because he had a lip injury, and so it really threw things off and made it difficult to understand. And so I'm saying all this as, as if well, you know, everyone knows this by now, but no, I <laughs> I found this out yesterday. Uh, well, see, I I knew about Max von Sydow. I knew that um, the physical manifestation of Vigo was in Die Hard, but I didn't know the reason mm -hmm. they got Max von Sydow to do the to dub the voice. So. Yeah, you know, I'm learning something new already. Okay. <laughs> and apparently he, that, and I can't, I, the actor who, who did the voice, what's his name again? Max von Sydow. Okay. Do you, he was in, his most recent, I mean, Judge Dredd, of course, he was okay. uh, the, I can't, the president, whatever his role was, or the captain, the the, the yeah. captain of the, the police. And of then the he was in, um, of the judges. And then he was in um, uh, The Force Awakens. Uh, okay. at, the, yeah. at the beginning, yeah. he was the guy that gave the the information to uh, for uh, BBA to carry. So he was yep. the cloak, and then he died. Um, and he was a great um, actor. Using Game Thrones, Game of Thrones as the Three Eyed Raven, mm -hmm. and he's oh. and the role that really made him was in the Seventh Seal for Ingmar Bergman way back when in the old black and white Seventh days. Seventh Seal, he, man, oh, that's a deep cut right there. I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you know they they then it's uh, Swedish because he's yeah he's yeah. Swedish yeah 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 Ingmar Bergman so playing they, the night uh, playing he, jazz he with did death all and those life. lines in one day he recorded it all the entirety of his lines in one one sitting I, I can I can believe that it's not a lot of lines and with the career not. of Max von Sydow it would be you know you come in you read the lines you go okay how menacing how impressive do you want this to sound <laughs> yeah basically I can't imagine there were a lot of takes you know no not with an actor well, like that. Well, it's like um, in Simpsons, all. when in the Simpsons when Bart gets famous <laughs> and he's got to record the voiceover, and yeah. Crusty the Crown comes in, he goes, in. 
That's a great. Hey, hey, hey. See, boom. That's how you do it. That's how you do it, kid. And Presley, we're ready. Oh, where'd he go? (laughs) They didn't even record yet. (laughs) So it's probably that scenario. (laughs) Oh, easily, easily. So, uh, Kevin, um, I clued Rich into, I have a surprise for you for my background background replacement. Okay. Uh, And I haven't told him what it is, but I just clued him in that I am going to do a background replacement for us, specifically for this show. And I'm going to have your guys' reaction, okay? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Vigo finally got his little kitty. (laughs) We healed his Carpathian kitten loss. So obviously, to those who can't see this, this is Vigo's famous portrait with a smiling cat face superimposed over Vigo's face. So, uh, uh, what is his name? Wilhelm. I, I I apologize. You've been replaced once more. Once more. That guy cannot catch a break, man. And now all I've got in my head is just Max von Sydow's voice going, you know, "I am Vigo, the scourge of Carpathia," coming out of that cute little kitty's mouth. It's just yeah. brilliant. <laughs> So originally I was just looking for a background because I'm like, oh, you know what I should start doing is I should start doing background replacements on our shows just for BS, you know, whatever, who cares? But I'm like, and then I came across this one. I'm like, oh no, this is, this is definitely going to be a in-show reveal. So, (laughs) which which is sad because nobody else is going to see it. No, no, I'll post it. We're not doing a video podcast. I'm sorry. (sighs) I really just wasted this face. I really just don't want to produce them. (laughs) I hear you. Producing audio is 190,000 times easier. <laughs> You're ruining the magic of podcasting. There, there is no magic. You just need you just need a decent mic and some software and you're good. <laughs> and usually, and or, of, or no software, you just need a decent mic. <laughs> and a couple of hours to kill. <laughs> right. That's true. And it, yeah, well, that's the biggest thing is the time. But uh, so like we, um, like we always do, um, we like to give the people who made this film some credit. Um, but we also like to read the uh, one-sentence synopsis on uh, IMDb. And this has got to be the shortest one so far. I have not read it yet, so I'm curious as far as how accurate it's going to be. And it says, The discovery of a massive river of ectoplasm and a resurgence of spectral activity allows the staff of Ghostbusters to revive the business. That's it? That's it. That's all it says. I mean, that's... I mean, that's the movie in a nutshell, but it's that's, missing that, a lot. That's that one is, part of the movie, though. That's one part yeah. of the movie. If you threw in one one-liner, one joke, you'd have the film right there. Pretty much. Well, and, no, it, and it says, and they get arrested at night. It, it actually says, and no. they get arrested at night. No, but that would be funny, because that's one of my <laughs> favorite scenes in the entire movie. That is, that is one of the best lines. That is one of the they best They got my lines. degree at night, or at night school. It's okay, Lewis. We got arrested at night. <laughs> Which just is kind of, I think almost out of character for Ray, though. That sounds much more like a Venkman line to me. Yeah, and there was there was um so there was concerted effort for Harold to play the Egon role straight laced in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to loosen it up a little bit in the second movie because he wanted to show off more emotion. And I think it was just kind of a byproduct of obviously him and Dan writing and just going, 
this is funny, this is funny, they know the characters better. I think it was just like the next evolution in the writing of the movie. And like they said, Egon never once smiled in the first movie. You never saw him smile once. And and Harold did that on purpose. He didn't want he wanted him to be as straight laced as possible. And in this movie, Egon has a lot more personality. And I think that also goes to Dan. That goes to, I mean, Bill's Bill. Venkman uh, didn't change. Um, yes, he did. He got a bit. I mean, sleazy. Egon even ha- even has some innuendo where he talks about yeah. the girls are after his uh, epididymis. Yes, <laughs> bet you they're after that large brain of yours. They're after, and that- they're more after my epididymis. And and Bill's reaction is just like <laughs> four oh four file not found the whole yeah that, for like three solid minutes yeah the dot exe Bill Murray dot exe yeah but see it's also that like after um, when Dana comes to visit him at his lab and mm-hmm. they're, he's running all those tests and she leaves and he and she kisses him and he's all a little flustered by it and he's leaning against the the window talking to the um, young good looking assistant and he says let's see what happens when you take the puppy away yeah you know he, he that the way he says it and the and the posture and everything he's flirting he, he's got mojo yeah oh hmm hmm i hadn't considered flirting but he i thought i thought that that his acting was very subtle for that scene that whole scene because he when she asked if Peter had asked about her, and he said no. I mean, he immediately started scanning her to see what her oh, emotional yeah. reaction was. That so was that was great. That, that very <laughs> close. Oh, yeah. and then <laughs> and his reaction is like, oh, <laughs> so he's like, oh, yeah. he sees he's it. Gonna, oh yeah, but when she kisses him, it, it, it you know he visibly has that moment of mm-hmm. uh, you know I'm getting kissed by Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> I think that's just Harold Ramis there. And then when he when she leaves, and he, you know the way he's casually leaning now, he's a lot more relaxed. You know, that's Mojo. <laughs> I didn't get that. I, I see what I got was him just reverting back to Egon and going, okay, so the thing with Dana never happened. Let's see what happens when we take away the puppy. Yeah, but the, the way he says it, though, and the body language, all that, it is not because for the whole, up until that point, he's pretty much still relatively stiff, still mm-hmm. in Egon mode. And then all of a sudden he gets a little loose and a little, you know, like he's leaning casually, being a bit more of a, you know, like, of a guy, not a scientist. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Um, <laughs> I didn't see that, but that's that doesn't mean it wasn't real. It's true. <laughs> it I didn't see it. It is true. <laughs> Jeez, that um, was the nicest way of saying you're absolutely wrong. I've I'm ever not heard. saying you're wrong. <laughs> I am not saying it out loud that you're wrong. <laughs> I'm not saying it out loud that you're wrong. I'm merely letting my silence imply how I feel about your observation. Yeah. So the other, so if, if Lewis, if Lewis Tolly is all of our kind of, kind of like underrated MVP of really the first two movies, cause he was great in this movie too. Um, his, the co MVP has got to be Peter McNichol. Oh, Janosch. Janosch. Oh, Janosch. Yeah. You know, it was not that accent and everything. That was not originally how that part was intended to be played. That, that, that's just Peter McNichol. <laughs> yeah, he just yeah. decided to do that. He and he actually wanted to, you know, ham it up even more. He wanted to go even more over the top, and they kind of dialed him back. But that's yeah, right. He did and that for Reitman, and Reitman loved it and 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 let him run with it. That's basically yeah, it's great. The first, yeah. you know, the first time you see him in that that accent, the moment you hear the accent, you just instantly go. 
this guy's creepy but hilarious at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like he's walking. The first time you really see him, he's walking through, and he he looks at the different people. And he's like, everything you're doing is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know this. I want you to know this. <laughs> And their reaction is just like, oh my god! So you can tell that they live with this every day from him. So, <laughs> and where is he it, from? That's the question. But that—that's such a great. That is Bill. He pulled it off so bad. He's like, so Johnny, where the hell are you from? The Upper West Side. <laughs> but he was Carpathian. That was that was his background. He was supposed to be Carpathian. They even referenced it in the movie. But mm -hmm. he, you know, he thought, well, Carpathian. What's a Carpathian accent sound sound like? So he decided to imitate a friend from the Ukraine. So he was doing a, a really poor Ukrainian accent, is what he. He was up. doing a brilliant Carpathian one. But he was doing a brilliant Carpathian. One. <laughs> but see, that's what was funny is because when he says Upper West Side, that's yeah. like you're sitting here going. But then the so like his accent is like so malleable that it's like where is right. he from and but that's right. I think that's a part of the humor of the character yeah. is it and that's Bill just poking at it and going where are you from because I can't tell you know yeah. <laughs> that was almost fourth wall I mean it was almost it was you know, almost yeah it was a nod to the audience the audience is going to notice that this guy has an unrecognizable yeah. accent of quirky weirdness so. Kevin, in your research, uh, Rich and I, I think we talked about this off air last week. Um, in your research, do you know the, oh, yes. twi the twins that played Oscar? So you have yes. William T. Deutschendorf and you have Henry J. Deutschendorf, the second. Right. right. So Henry, uh, uh, what's his name? I'm trying to remember his first name. Anyways, their uncle, if you know. Do you know who their uncle in real life is? I do. That's uh, just because we talked about it last week. <laughs> their uncle in real life. Uh huh. No, 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 no using the internet. I, come on, no using the internet. You should have done your research. You should have come prepared. Their uncle in real life. Their uncle in real life. I am gonna have to say. That I cheated and looked it up as John Denver. Yeah, <laughs> that, was a, that, was, that was some good, good. You know, that was some good. You know, whose birth name? <laughs> whose birth name is Henry J. Deutschendorf II? Interesting. Now I did not know that before. I I, I didn't know that either until I looked this up a couple of weeks ago when when we were just BSing about the show, and I was just like, wait, John Denver's name is Henry J. Deutschendorf the second. I'm like, no wonder he changed his name. And when, and when, when you told me, Matt, you know, you remember my reaction. I was in total disbelief. You know, yeah. Was growing up as a kid doing road trips in Australia, my mum would play a um, CD of the of the concert he performed in Sydney back in the 70s, I think it was. That my mum actually went and saw. So John Denver had a bit of a part in my life. So learning that, I'm just there going, no, it can't be. That can't be his real name. No. That's weird. Mm -hmm. Well, that was uh, Ralph Lauren. We talked about too. In oh, the yes. same Conversation. <laughs> Ralph Lauren's last name is actually Lipschitz. Yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then I go straight to the Rugrats with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But um, so you have your usual suspects of cast members in this. Um, that was the great thing is the whole cast is back. Uh, you have a great character '80s 
a-hole bad guy sort of in Kurt Fuller who plays Hardiman, Jack Hardiman, the mayor's oh, assistant. The, yeah. He he Wayne's World, he he was in a bunch of stuff back in this era and uh he played that sleazy, you know. Oh, he still he does still play the sleazy. Um, I don't know if you guys ever watched Boston Legal. Um no. The resounding scientist tells me no. Um no. but there was, he he guest started in a couple of episodes where he played a sleazy scummy lawyer who was also a priest with a bit of a fetish for black women. <laughs> so he's okay. still even you know this this is about 5 6 7 years ago but he's still playing those sort of okay. sleazy corporate characters. <laughs> it's just he's got the look for it. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's just the voice everything. I mean it's just you know. Yeah. But yeah. uh <laughs> Some people are just born for that role. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. There's that guy, there's the guy who was the principal in uh, Ferris Bueller who was also in the first Ghostbusters. What's his name? Yeah. He wasn't Ghostbusters. Peck, he was in Walter Peck was in was Ferris Bueller? Or am I no. misremembering? No, the guy from Ferris Bueller. That's William of, yeah. uh William what's his name is the guy from Die Hard and the guy from or Die Hard 2 and Ghostbusters. Well, yeah, that's uh, William Atherton. But yeah, the guy from William Ferris Atherton. Bueller, he's in the first Die Hard as the uh, captain of police. Okay. Yeah, and I then think, the guy, and then I the, think my brain is not allowing me to remember. And then story. the cop. Oh no! From, no, no, the guy from Ferris Bueller—that's Jeffrey Jones. You're you're thinking of Jeffrey Jones, who was in um, the who was in Beetlejuice as the father. I was thinking of the right. guy from, the guy you're from. Right. Thank you. Um, but the guy I was thinking of is not in Ferris Bueller. He was in The Breakfast Club. That's the guy I was thinking of. Oh, the principal from The Breakfast Club. Yeah, you're who right was in, too. Yeah, who was yeah. in Die Hard 1. And yeah, it was Jeffrey Jones who was in Ferris Bueller. He was also in... Well, um, I, there's nothing for this but for me to go back and watch all the 80s movies over again. <laughs> Start with Trading Places and then just go from there. <laughs> who also has True. that guy from... Breakfast yeah. Club and <laughs> Die Hard One. <laughs> or like what Rich and I did is we watched, uh, we had a, a double marathon I last guess. Friday as we watched The Goonies and then we watched Stripes. <laughs> so My first okay. time seeing it and so, it was good. Which, Goonies. Stripes or Goonies? No, he had never right. seen Goonies before. I've never seen Goonies. seen Goonies, yeah. It, okay. it, wasn't, it wasn't a big it was okay. thing by you, so. Yeah, it was okay. It was fun. Um, I The stuff I enjoyed, I enjoyed, you know, Anne Ramsey. I enjoyed um, Robert Darby. I enjoyed um, Itty Bitty Tiny Samwise. I enjoyed yeah. <laughs> um, Joe Pantaleone. You know, I, the things I enjoyed, I enjoyed. But overall, I wouldn't say it was a transcendental But you're seeing it in That's the thing, yeah. Yeah, and as a 36-year-old so, man. So if I'd seen yeah. it when I was a 10-year-old boy, it probably would have blown my itty-bitty little mind. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I'm fully, I'm fu- I am definitely fully aware there, but I have to admit, I am glad I've seen it. And, you know, seeing Richard Donner do a kid's movie, that was fun. And, you know, Chris Columbus wrote it. So part of me was like, okay, that explains a lot of the slapstick in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and we... better out of the two. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, duh. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> But uh, so budget was $25 million. So uh, another soft budget, in my opinion, even 1989. Yeah. To figure 1984 Ghostbusters, I think, was $30 million. And this is actually a lower budget five years later. So that was actually kind of interesting. Um, cool. I'm guessing because tech. There was no faith in the movie. They, you... No, there, there wasn't. Well, yeah, they yeah, handed because all, the, uh, all the effects were handed over to ILM. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and they did they still did practicals on some of the ghosts uh they had um Phil Tippett, is that his name? Phil Tippett yep. is definitely his name. Phil, Phil Tippett. Tippett, the animator. Uh-huh. He did the, what was interesting about having him involved, he, he agreed to do it only if they kept it like less than a minute of footage. He had been in a, like a major car accident or something. And so that scene with the giant ghost creature coming through that arc arch in yep. uh, mm-hmm. Central Park or whatever, uh, that was him animating that. It was his only contribution he was oh, able to make in the I, film. I, I didn't know that was Phil Tippett. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah. He was he was in such bad shape that he, he couldn't really work. And so Damn. he agreed to do that film. He agreed to do that scene. So that's why there's only that one, you know, and he and and really it's one of the not worst, but I mean it's not one of the greatest. Uh, animated effects in that film, in my opinion. See, to me, that's always been, it always sticks out like a sore thumb because everything else, you've got like the physical, you can tell Slimer in that, it's a physical puppet. Mm -hmm. Then you've got some of the other effects and, you know, the way they do Vigo and, you know, when Yonash gets all creepy with laser eyes and all that sort of stuff, you can tell that. And then all of a sudden you get this great montage of all the ghosts coming, like the Titanic finally arriving and and all this. And then all of a sudden you get that brief shot of that monster coming through the arc, the arch. It is that sort of moment of, wait, what the it hell? It threw you right is... out of it. Yeah, it does. Yeah. But for me, it always go. Uh, for me, I can't go, oh, that's so cool. They're doing a Ray Harry. I've always gone, oh, that's a Ray Harry Harrison reference for some reason. <laughs> that's how I always looked at it. <laughs> I think that's a pro. I think that's a good way yeah. to look at it. Tippett, you know, Harry Housen was one of Tippett's like idols. And so. Yep. I mean, everybody, I mean, Tim Burton, everybody, I mean, everybody I, that did. Any kind of clay or stop motion. I mean, you're talking yeah. Harryhausen or bust at that point. I mean, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was and it's, the and guy. It's, it's still Harryhausen or bust, though. People who do stop motion, it's always going to be Harryhausen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he started yeah. the entire. I guess what became almost like a genre. So yeah. I mean, but um, so uh, with this movie in particular, um, you get the beginning sequence which i just think is not not the sequence with dana and the baby it's i guess the post opening credit sequence with the the first time we see the ecto-1 again and it's beat up it's smoking it's burning oil it's but it's so screaming through the streets and you're like oh cool ghostbusters and then they pull up and then you know uh there's a uh, 14 of them. Uh, how big are they? Oh, about four feet. And then they walk in and it's a kid's birthday Body, yeah. <laughs> and they turn on the Ray Parker Jr. Song. And all you hear is, uh, what is it? Um, and it don't look good. Who are you going to call Ghostbusters? And the kids and, go, he man. <laughs> yeah. He man. He man. And it's like, Oh, and it don't look good. Yeah. And that <laughs> Come on, you, I'll buy you a beer. <laughs> and that tells you everything like... about where they are at that moment. And then we, yeah. I love it because when they leave, Ray's got a little party hat on and he's got yeah. a balloon. And he's like, he, he's still thrilled by that. <laughs> yeah, he's still Ray, and that's that was what we were talking about. Is like that boyhood wonderment of the Ray Stans character. Yeah, yeah. It's just Dan that, the, the kid, yeah, it's Dan the smart ass kid, mm-hmm. who told him that his dad said they were full of shit. You guys know who that was. Yep. Yes, I do. I'm going to say Jason Reitman. It was yes, it was. Oh, random guess. Random guess. And the girl, the girl that inevitably had the puppy taken away was Catherine Reitman, was Jason's younger sister. Oh, it's now nice that, to know that I did not know. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that, but it's nice yeah. to know that their father is torturing 
the daughter yeah. by ta- giving and, her a puppy and then taking it away. And I love technically, that. technically, he said you're full of crap. So, not. oh come on, get the quotes right, man. Maybe come on. in the version you watched. <laughs> <laughs> well, that must be some like unedited, unedited stuff. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's the director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> they had it wedged be- between both triple X sex scenes. He said shit. <laughs> I don't know. Is this a family podcast? Maybe oh, I should oh, oh you almost made rum kebab out my nose, man. Oh, my. <laughs> Spiced rum at that. Oh, that's nasty. So one of the things that did impress me about the movie, um, you could tell, that even though it, I, I think there wasn't a lot of faith in the film, and I think that cost it uh, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the uh, there was enough excitement about it that it got like this full on like background cast of celebrities, especially yes. for that time. You know, you got yeah. like Cheech Marin and Bobby Brown, and you know, they're just all these people that you would they they wouldn't have been in the first movie. Um, well, maybe they would have been. I mean, there were some pretty big names in the first movie too, but. You could tell yeah, that they were just excited to be a part of the film, yeah. you know. Like, well, and then you Kevin, also had, you, you had, yeah, and you had Ben Stein, um, yeah. and then yep. you you had what's his name? Um, he was the either the police commander or the fire commander. Uh, he was a Law and Order guy. Uh, he mm-hmm. was uh, yes. Um, I don't remember when he talks about he had he has all his people out on the streets. Uh, I have meter maids chasing yeah. ghosts. That guy, yeah. he, he's he's been in a ton of stuff. Yep. Um, a lot of recognizable faces. So a lot of oh, yeah. people that wanted to take part in this. Um, but Kevin, you also had 1986, The Real Ghostbusters. Yeah. So yeah, you had the animated series popped yes. out of this. So And this was a big deal because um, Annie Potts' character got a wardrobe change to and emulate personality wow, change. Actually, to They did that with her. They did that with Slimer as well. They, they, yes. They mm-hmm. changed the, the, the sort of the look of Slimer to make him reflect the animated character more. Well, plus, because in the animated character, he lives with them. He's like kind of yeah. a he becomes the pet. de facto pet. Right. And in this case, you just see him hanging around the firehouse eating Lewis's lunch. Yeah. Uh, which was also <laughs> then, a great, then, a great scene. Great. And another, another. Bus. Yeah. And then driving the, driving the bus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I didn't know you had a license. So they cut some scenes. And I saw the, I saw some of the, uh, the cut scenes. Um, one of them was Tully, Lewis Tully is chasing Slimer, trying to capture him using a proton. Oh, that would have been cool. That would have been cool. Which is would have made would have made the scene where he encounters him on the bus actually make a lot more sense. Uh, because there was you know I it was there was a connection there because he did run into him when he was eating his lunch. Yeah, but that scene was so fast and over with, and then so you know there is some some logic to him recognizing Slimer when he, when he shows up on the bus. But if they had kept that scene in, it would have uh, made more sense. You would have actually seen him chasing Slimer, Slimer getting away. And there, there would have been a lot more foundation to that. But interesting. It's not like the movie was hurt by it or anything, but it, no. it, oh, no, that's it was the movie's been ruined. I'm never going to watch it again without wishing done. we had that scene. You've just ruined it for me, Kevin. I'm not it's watching bad. this sh- crap anymore. <laughs> No, I'll watch the version that where, where the kid says shit. I will watch that version. <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, we'll, we'll roll I don't back. think there actually is a version, Rich. <laughs> well, you just, this was a movie I used to, I, I've watched a lot as a kid, and yeah, you're just ruining it for me. Come on. Oh, I'll have to get my revenge when we do Afterlife. 
So I didn't know this, and this was actually kind of cool because because I, I you know when you when you're watching the movie, especially when you're watching it on like Prime, and you you know you you roll over with your mouse and it brings up all of like the movie and trivia facts from IMDb onto the I think it's X Ray or X Ray, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't um, have Prime, so. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, I have it on DVD. I'm old school. <laughs> oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. bought this as a digital two pack, like five years ago because it went on sale for like 10 bucks and I got both movies and I'm like, screw it, whatever. Why not? Yeah. Same thing. 10 bucks, yeah. double pack, both DVDs. So, you know, cool. Yeah. Same idea. But, um, <laughs> in, in he's uncredited and I didn't really look is I always wanted to know who the heck was in the, the suit for the statue of Liberty. You know, I wanted yeah. to know, cause I'm like curious with that kind of stuff. Cause Rich and I have talked about Doug Jones a ton on this show and I was just an uh, amazing character actor, but he's usually has no lines or very minimum lines. And he's just, yeah, yeah. Or can't see. So in this case, ILM hired Jim Fay or Fye to play the Statue of Liberty. He soon found himself playing the ghost jogger and Tony Mm -hmm. Scolari, who was originally planned to be even more skeletal and articulated puppet. Uh, The jogger was the first scene to be filmed in January, 1989. He filmed the ghost jogger scene in January, 1989 in New York. Wow, that'd be cold. (laughs) Because back then... This wasn't, he was on set, like he was there running with them. So this wasn't just like they put him in later and he was in a studio doing this. Uh, Or so he was, I was just thinking, I'm like, wow, he was in the little runner's outfit in January 1989 in New York. That had to be cool. For the the Australian who doesn't know, who, you know, is used to January being hotter than hell. Bitter cold. Bitter cold. Okay. You say bitter cold. Dead, Dead of winter. Like it should be snowing. Ah, okay, right now. Okay, now it makes more sense why you're making a big fuss over this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like uh, July. Yeah, but even even our winters on the coast here, our winters aren't that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but but I mean, well, see, it goes to that old quote, you know, pain is temporary, film is forever. So, <laughs> yeah, do it right this time. Yeah, a little so. discomfort won't matter. No, and I have to. Admit, I do like that scene with the ghost jogger. It is a good scene. <laughs> You know, yeah. he's there checking his pulse and everything. <laughs> he's yeah. taking it very seriously. Yeah, yeah, good. he is. And they have and the, then, the trap laid out for him. Yeah. See, that's, and he, that's the thing. he speeds that, up as he's being captured. Like he starts moving yep. very fast. So. Yep. Oh, absolutely. That's the, that that montage. Once you know the the montage of all the ghosts and the Ghostbusters gang back back on the horse, as you will, and all that. It's a great montage of them capturing things. Like you know that part where they're in the um the jewelry shop or the, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that shop is. And they've got all the floating jewelry bits. store. Yeah. All everything's floating. So they've got those lasers Yeah, and they kick them in and everything just drops. And, the, and there's I always love it because there's none of them thought to lay soft things to capture, to catch all of that stuff. That's going to break. It's upon more impact. cinematically <laughs> pleasing if everything smashes. Oh yeah, so. I know. Cinematically, I understand it, but for me, it's like okay, none of the Ghostbusters, these scientists, these ultra smart guys, and Venkman, none of them kind of went. Maybe we should put a blanket down. Yeah, <laughs> Not, and the people who work there, none of the people who work there, said it as well. So <laughs> that's the thing I've always loved about that little moment. Oh, that was a good it's one. It's possible good... it didn't even occur to them that. It that anything would fall in. Maybe they thought it would gently lower to the ground. 
Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But uh, uh, so I have dealt with those slow vapors before. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And all of this is taking place after the Scolari when Ray comes out and yells, "We're back!" And then yes. you hear, "Was yeah. it? Um, we came, we saw, we kicked some ass." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Harris Eulin, there you go. There's another great actor as the judge in that sequence. <laughs> oh, he was yeah. so good. He was so good. Yeah, they call oh, but... him the Hammer. <laughs> that, that that whole thing, like them getting like the lead up to them getting arrested you know them drilling in the middle of the street having the cops show up having the um you know and and venkman going full um yeah. brooklyn you know almost like a tony soprano kind of voice yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. and everything and you yeah. know, he's there talking to he's there talking you know like, you know we should have done this he goes to you know egon am i right and egon just goes yo <laughs> <laughs> it's, the most awkward, it's the most awkward thing i've ever seen you, in a movie are you right ziggy yo <laughs> so this this was a great scene this is a part of the scolari this is actually um during the scolari is uh judge wexler you got to do something help me ray don't talk to me talk to my attorney lewis <laughs> and that's me my guys are under that judicial mistrangement order that blue thing i got from her they could be exposing themselves Vanquish, you don't want, you don't us, want us exposing, exposing ourselves. <laughs> that entire scene had to have been just written around Vankman's finish line. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I, I love it when he's in the, um, you know, they're on trial and they're all having their, you know, like Vankman's in the stand and he's just sitting there, you know, he's just mumbling. And mm-hmm. Tully is just leading the character. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just leading the character on. Uh, so good. So good. So, um, Rich, what was yes. your favorite, what was your, your favorite scene, favorite sequence? I said already, it's, uh, the, it's two, it's the Scaleri brothers and then it's mm-hmm. the Statue of Liberty. Oh, sure. and the toaster, the dancing toaster. <laughs> yeah. What part of the movie <laughs> didn't you like apparently? So let's, um, okay, I should have asked I, that. I should have asked okay. that question. The part I didn't like, it actually was the opening with Dana. I've always fast forwarded that part with Dana and the carriage. I, I do too. I that do could too. have been placed anywhere else in the movie. To me, you you start it with. To me, you start it with Venkman and his dodgy talk show. That's how the movie should have started. See, I would have started it with just the birthday party scene because you you could just start it with the ecto. Mm. Uh, and then you could just mainly almost flip them, and then you could just well, but work they needed, in the. Dan- they needed to set up what the actual danger was. I, I one yeah. of the problems I had with the movie though was that they they contrived this whole scene where Dana was once again at the heart of the the danger. You know, mm-hmm. no, she wasn't. It was her baby. Well, it was her baby, but so it's not her. True, <laughs> but, but close enough. I mean, it was. Yeah, I, I just I felt like that was a little ham. Yeah, no, I I understand it's what you mean. I understand what you mean. A little different. Yeah, yeah I, well, I don't understand what you mean. It yeah. does kind of rehash certain things, but it is that sort of thing. After five years or so, you know, it is basically a getting the band back together movie. And you've it, got to admit, though, it all they all work amazingly well together. Yeah, and the stuff I do prefer the stuff with Venkman and Dana in this movie compared to the first one because in the first movie. The stuff with Venkman and Dana is just a little sleazy. It is, but it also is very light. Like there's no actual relationship there uh, before they get yeah. to the end of the film and 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 kiss and 
fall in love or whatever. Like they never <laughs> even got to actually have their date. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, there was much more development on that side of their character uh, in this film. Yeah, we at yeah. least and, got to see them on the date and we at least got to see them have a conversation about why things fell apart, which yeah, I thought that's, was interesting. That's it. All that so stuff. Heck, I really I'm not even and, good for me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and 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 exactly. I've always loved that part where you know they go to you get to see Venkman's place because the first movie you only ever saw Dana's apartment, Tully's mm. apartment, and the Ghostbusters building. Seeing Venkman's apartment is that sort of thing. You're like, yeah, yeah, that sort of guy would have that sort of place. He, you know, yeah. he wouldn't really care. Like, you know, well, I he's don't got think two... he had an apartment in the first one. I mean, I think they they had to live in the fire station. Oh yeah, but um, but you know that thing though, I love it. You know, he's got two levels of. Uh, you know, he's got multiple levels of uncle- of clean and, yeah. and dirty, you know, yeah. all that sort of stuff. I'll just have two um, levels of clean or dirty. I I've many subtle. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. All yeah. that sort of stuff, you know, to me, I, I that that makes this movie better than the first one. The, the character development in this one is a lot better. And I understand that in the first movie, you've got I, to get through yeah. kind of do things I differently. Don't, I think they had problems with characterization, though, because I think, Dana was a very different character in this film than she was in the first film. She was a little doe-eyed oh, yeah. throughout yeah. this film. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though she had walked out on Venkman, she was clearly smitten with him from the second he came back into her life, despite oh, the fact on, that she had asked that he not be involved in the uh, in checking out what was going on with Oscar. You know? Yeah, but come uh, on, it's Bill Murray. Are you going to say no to Bill Murray? Right, but... Okay, but... the. <laughs> Having her like she she said, "Don't tell Venkman." Yeah, and then when and clearly though they did set it up to where she she was a little hurt that he didn't talk about her or whatever. However, when he shows up, there's no resistance to him whatsoever. Yeah, they're basically no. just back together at that. But I instant. think she also feels just uncomfortable because she hasn't seen him since she got divorced. She hasn't seen him since she had the baby. Yep. And it's going to be awkward. She obviously still has feelings for him. So I think there's just a lot of that baked into it. So I guess you can just understand her not wanting Vinkman as a part of this. But yeah, that, you knew that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I love, you know, going to raise Occult's books and everything and the way Vinkman gets the information out of him. You know, yep. that's, <laughs> that, uh, yep. you know, that's that's the thing. There are more, there are more moments in this movie I do thoroughly enjoy more than the first one. And I know there are probably some people who are instantly switching off the podcast because I've said something sacrilegious. But <laughs> I saw Ghost We're going to lose our two. guest. We're about to lose our guest if you go any further. Oh, I no. don't care. I don't care. We'll get him back for next week. <laughs> <laughs> he turned off his camera. Uh, I do think that this this movie actually may have had more funny lines yes in the yeah. first movie oh okay. um and, more and I, direct attempts at humor yes yeah and what's shocking to me is how many of them are actually in my sort of daily lexicon of of, of uh-huh. things i'll pull out to make my wife laugh or whatever mm-hmm. um things that i forgot were part of this movie i think they were i i, I think i thought i invented them um Give us a for example, please. Well, okay. So to answer the question that I was not asked, what was my favorite scene? <laughs> I know, we, we hadn't gotten we hadn't gotten to I'm jumping in. I jump spoiler alert. My favorite scene. I, I actually thought um the thing the scene that I thought was funniest 
was when Peter was taking the photos of Vigo and treating it like a photo shoot. Mm -hmm. Show me angry, show me angry, you know, and just (laughs) starts going off on that. That, that to me was hilarious. I, I quote that all the time. I, I, I say that kind of stuff all the time. I've worked with Um, better, not many, but I have not many. Yeah. Oh, I see what it is. What does it says? You're hot for this kind of stuff. <laughs> and and uh, the, I mean, the, this, uh, when he w- was on his show, uh, World of the Psychic, uh-huh. and he asked the lady when uh, she th- says the end of the world is, and she says Feb- February 14th, 2016? 2016. Yep. Valentine's Day. Bummer. <laughs> like, yep. I've got um I've got my my little sister has two little girls like two years old and one year old kind of thing and I love it every time I've got they say to me and they come over and someone says to me oh can you put one of them down for sleep I instantly go to you're short your belly button sticks yeah. out too far and you're a terrible burden on your you're poor a mother burden on your poor mother <laughs> yeah it's a- you're gonna ask him for it to get a stool sample and he yes. says business or personal <laughs> yeah <laughs> And the look that Harold Ramis gives them is also the perfect reaction. It's a yeah. totally deadpan, be serious about our work, please, kind of look. <laughs> you, didn't even, you didn't even have a slinky? I had part of I, one, but I straightened it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. This movie yeah. is, yeah. Mu- is definitely a, a, a comedy movie. And growing up as a yeah. kid, I did relate more to – I laughed so much more, and I wanted to laugh, whereas the first movie – it was a. It was more serious. Yeah, it the first one it was more of like the just the personalities of the actors that were funny. It wasn't yeah. necessarily the jokes. In this movie, like I said, there was more of a concerted effort to make the audience belly laugh. So I mean, this this is definitely more like we were talking. The first movie didn't feel like your typical '80s comedy. Uh, this one had a little bit more of that feel where it was like. Like I said, that concerted effort to make the audience laugh. And, and more often than not, it worked. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, to me, there were really no parts in this that I was like, oh, that didn't work. Or that could, I'm like, as far as the humor is concerned, to me, it was, yeah. it was all very well placed and it was, yeah. it was spaced out. It wasn't like one on top of each other where it was just like, okay, this is getting kind of out of control. Um, when it worked, it worked. And when it didn't, they just didn't do it. And they just kept the scene as, you know, I guess yeah. as straight laced as possible. Yeah. So that's the thing. So now, Kevin, you get to answer the question. Okay. Favorite part of the movie. <laughs> but I just said what the my favorite part was the photo shoot and the in yeah. the uh, oh, come on. Not, for a lot that. of reasons. That whole scene was my favorite because I Okay, there you go. I thought so, it was I thought it was funny, but there was also that come moment. on guys, suck in the guts. We're the Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> there was that moment where Ray there was the foreshadowing moment where Ray got mesmerized by yep. Vigo. Do you guys know about that entire scene? Like the, the cuts? Nope. No. So, so there's an entire scene where Ray is possessed and drives like crazy through the city. And they actually use scenes from that where the car is screeching through the city with the music playing. And mm-hmm. you see Venkman like death gripping the seat from behind. And he's looking over yeah. his shoulder as Ray's driving oh, like a madman. Yes. So that because there's no, a well, scene because they, they exchanges a glance with Peter, and well, the original cut was Ray is possessed. Okay, but f- for one reason or another, they didn't use it. 
Um, I think it actually might be in the um, IMDb notes um, in the trivia stuff. But right. um, there's a there there's a there was a scene filmed where Ray is possessed, yeah. and they have to exile the ghost or exile the Vigo power spirit whatever out of him, and um, it didn't work or they cut it for time or whatever. But the um, they used parts of it, which was the driving scenes. They yeah. used parts yeah. of it later in the movie, and that's where Vankman's yeah, reaction to him where... driving like a nut job. Right. was supposed to be used in the scene where Ray is possessed while driving okay. like a nut job. Because to me, that's just them rushing to a job. Yeah, because Ray well, has driven like that since day one. Yeah, yeah I, I remembered. So I saw, I noticed that scene where Egon looks a little weird. He looks at Peter. Peter looks a little weird. They sort of glance back at Ray, but then they cut away and they never did anything with it. Yeah, so I think that, that it was intended was just there. to show you. Yeah. That Ray's driving like, you know, a man possessed, which theoretically in the original cut of the movie, he was. He literally was, yeah. He literally <laughs> okay. was. So, yeah. um, slight shift. Okay. There's well, my my favorite my favorite part of this head. movie. My favorite oh, no, no, part of this movie. No, 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 no. The guest is talking. You don't matter, no, no. Matt. Kevin no, no, is no, talking. What's your favorite? <laughs> That's where I was going with this, I guess. Yeah. Well, no. Um, my favorite part of this movie was... <laughs> My favorite part of this movie was because it was my favorite part when I first saw the movie when I was a kid was the Statue of Liberty stuff. Yeah. Is just because I thought that was such a unique take. He has the Nintendo controller, you yeah. know, the the arcade controller. He steps on the cop car or, yeah. and raises oh, it. Sorry, <laughs> my fault. <laughs> they repel through. They smash the wind. And, you know, yeah. I just thought that as, as a kid, that was just so cool. You know, what does he say? Keep kicking, Libby. When uh, this would get a weekend in Vegas with the Jolly Green Giant, <laughs> calls her <laughs> calls her Libby, the Statue of yep. Liberty. That was so good. Yep. Yeah, that and, I I just smile every time I see the Statue of Liberty come to life. And when they're inside of it, hey, is, is our uh, is our uh, slime in a good mood today, Winston? <laughs> oh, she better it better be. This is a lot bigger than a toaster. <laughs> that whole sequence was just I love it. I love I, like I said, I grin yep. every time I see it. I love the idea of the mood slime. Yeah, the I mood slime. That. You know, yeah. and 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 using that particular song to motivate yeah. it and to get a reaction because I've got to admit, it doesn't Jackie matter what version, yeah, yeah, and it doesn't matter what version of that song I hear. It could be that version, it could be a cover. I instantly just get a little grin on my face. Yeah, it's it is a toe tapping, make you feel good song. So it makes sense. It's what powers the Statue of Liberty. Sorry, Libby. That was. Uh, during that time, so I'm I'm a little weird when it comes to like music and stuff because a lot most of the music I ever owned was on soundtracks, and mm-hmm. uh, and so a lot of the music from '80s films was a throwback to '50s, '60s, and early '70s, and so that was most of the music I was listening to. So like Jackie Wilson and stuff was on my lex my playlist basically mm-hmm. uh, before there was a play. They were on my mixtape. Um, Ooh, mixtape. <laughs> so yeah, so hearing that was like, it was very cool for me. Uh, here, all having that stuff come around, but it fit that tradition of movies at that time. Working in some, some song from like the sixties or something, you know, yeah. it, that that was a common thing that happened in films at that time. There was a scene. This is what I was going to bring up earlier. It just okay. popped into my head. Um, kind of like Stay Puff. Kind of like Stay Puff. So <laughs> there was the scene when they were in the sewers, and yes. yeah. uh, they were 
actually they had found the train the tracks mm-hmm. the old, so they're on the train, the tracks, train tracks or is this with they're the... on the train tracks okay this is before the river of slime and mm-hmm. uh they are the, the egon yells hey and it echoes and then ray yells hey they they keep doing that right but and when winston Winston's does done. it there's no echo but then that voice says his name yeah mm-hmm. And I've always wondered if there was supposed to be something to that. Like, why did that ghost know him? And why did it say his name? Well, see, for me, I've always just kind of, when that scene always happens, I always just go um, that it's just the male- a, a malevolent presence. It's nothing. It's just, you know, actually, no, right. I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer for that. Damn you, Kevin. Why, I'm, I'm why now, Winston? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then, so, okay. Now, I, I don't think anything like this has been planned per se. But something I noticed, one of the things I noticed about the first Ghostbusters movie is that everything Egon predicted as as oncoming mm-hmm. disaster ends up happening in the third film. Yep. Right? Yep. So, um, so all that stuff ends up happening. I'm sure they went back and did that they may have done that on purpose but i kind of wonder uh maybe i don't know that this is planned or anything but like i have always had this theory that there are these that the whole ghostbusters thing is like moments of destiny in a way right i think Mm -hmm. we talked about this last last week i think yeah when you look at afterlife yeah, when we look yeah. at Afterlife, it, right. yeah, they have the, the dates. And, that, yeah. that, that whole thing, the whole Gozer thing is reoccurring. But, you know, if you look at the three films, you know, Dana is at the heart of the trouble. I know it's I know it's Oscar in the second movie, but Oscar is her offspring, right? So, but there's a, what if, um, so when um, she's the gatekeeper or the key master? She's gatekeeper. a gatekeeper. Yeah. Um, she's a gatekeeper. Well, remember, oh. remember, Kevin, the human anatomy, the key goes yes, in the I, gate. That was how I used to remember, but I thought... The key goes in the lock. No, key goes in the lock. Just wanted so to make sure. Just wanted to make sure. Because I'm, I'm, would I'm be the key. falling off of this right now. But, you know, that experience, what, what if that, like, tagged her mm-hmm. and made her uh, offspring susceptible to the whole thing? Okay, so, so continuing... Right, right, and that. So but, I'm wondering yeah. though, you know, because Winston comes along and he's there's there's certain there's all there's a certain chain of events that happen in the first film. Um, it, they might bring some, it up. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see it because Winston becomes a prominent figure in the third film and the fourth film. Mm-hmm. Like he becomes an impetus for the fourth film really. So yeah, him him and Ray are basically going to spearhead the rebirth yeah. of the Ghostbusters in the current era exactly. in afterlife's sequel so what i'm i'm sort of doing that what if thing uh an apologetics kind of thing where it's like what what if there is if i were writing these or if i were writing the fourth film i would totally create a through line for all the movies that involve where, winston sounds like something you've Dana. done in your books once or twice maybe i may have done things <laughs> like this yeah where you're like ooh, that's that's an easy that's an easy bleed into another yeah there's a thread it makes sense it does it does does make sense though when you think about it it does make sense especially if you look at you know because in when we talked about ghostbusters one we did talk about the predestination that things had to happen in a particular way so it Mm -hmm. makes sense that after 
becoming the um, gatekeeper, becoming yep. a terror dog, Dana would have. She There's would be more of a target. Uh huh. The painting of the guys at the end of the film. Yeah. Where'd that come yep. from? I'll, Why was that I was going you, you were beat you were, you beat me to the punch. I was gonna work my way sorry. there, but you beat me to the punch. I think this I'm is sorry. awesome. I got excited. I think, or that could also just be 1989, and it's just some cheese. It is cheese. It, it is, is cheese. cheese it is. But we're now it's, we're it's talking a smile about at the end of the movie. Context of the yeah, movie, yeah, within the, the context of the story, universe. the universe, right. and everything. You know, see, this is your fault, Matt. You brought I us together. Actually, I, I think would... it's one of the fettuccines. <laughs> yeah. But that, if you, if if you, if we look at the at the series as a whole, you mm-hmm. can take that as an element and say, sure. There is some recurring theme throughout history. Yeah. These warriors who stand up against these forces of evil reincarnate into these four guys. Yeah, sure. And, you know, if keeping in line with that, okay, so in the first movie, everything Egon says happens. Second movie yep. is all about Dana, and Dana's in the first, all about Dana in the first movie, too. Yeah. You look at Afterlife, it's still the same thing. Egon's still predicting, and he is still 100% correct. So it makes sense that if they were to continue that 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 through line, it does make sense that you know they look at Ghostbusters two and they go right. We got that one part where that one ghost who we never see anything else again of. He just says Winston's name. There scares the living bejesus out of him with a train and all the head, heads on a spike. Yeah, <laughs> for no apparent reason. Yeah, <laughs> you know I would that bring can... that ghost back for movie four, and that's the yep. big villain. And we yeah. got a hints of it in Ghostbusters 2. So what if Afterlife, what if Paul Rudd's Greg Gruberson is Lewis Tully's nephew or son? Hmm. Predestination and he was and he was the keymaster in Afterlife. I do want to see Lewis Tully come back in the next film. I wonder if he's in hiding because he doesn't want to be <laughs> like you know, I wonder no, if that's like no. no. I mean no, I, I know it's just no, Rick. Yeah. The tone no, of no, Afterlife no. was well, much no, it, da- darker. I think you could actually have a scenario where Lewis Tully was possessed by something and yeah. has been living in exile yep. all these years. Uh, or, he's, or, he's, or he's just terrified and almost schizophrenic because he's, of the no, stuff he's gone through. It's, you never he, know. it's him and Slimer. Him and Slimer are in a remote cabin. Yeah. It's true. Well, if, 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 if uh, Dana being possessed by the uh, gatekeeper made her child susceptible to um, Vigo, then Then. Lewis was also possessed. So maybe Uh something else happened. And you had two more. You had Paul Rudd and what's her name? uh, uh, Carrie Coons. Yeah. Carrie Coon. In uh, in Afterlife. Afterlife, So we've got this. Now we've got this dynamic we can start playing with for the fourth movie. Which works. Yeah. But also, yeah, I see, would. I, I'm. I'm going to write the fourth movie. Is what I'm saying. Okay, you do that. You go do that right now, while Matt and I finish the episode, and then yeah. we'll, three of us will take credit for it, and we'll just then retire on Ghostbusters money. Yeah. But keep in like that idea though of the destiny and being you know possessed and tainted in a way. It makes sense then why in Ghostbusters two, Lewis has that relationship with Slimer. It well, makes more sense. When yeah, you but like you, you, you got you got to remember you you got to you got to pull back from this because no, we don't. <laughs> no you kind of do sometimes. You are be- mistaken. No, you do because <laughs> thank you, Kevin. <laughs> no, there's actually a what was where is it? No, because of the um, the popularity of the real Ghostbusters um, animated show. 
they they went they went through a huge makeover because that was a a part of trying to make this movie more appealing to the audience because of the problems that they had uh getting this movie together but a lot of that was there so it's right here um because of the cartoon the real ghostbusters 1986 it was so popular among children Ivan Reitman, Dan Aykroyd, and Harold Ramis made a conscious effort to tone down the adult innuendo and behaviors from Ghostbusters. All the Ghostbusters gave up smoking, except for a few scenes where Ray has a cigar or a pipe in his hand or in mouth. <laughs> and now we have Captain Kirk, it looks like, of some kind. No, that's Batman. That's Batman. Is that Batman? Animated. Oh, that, that's yeah. Batman the Animated Series. You're right. Oh, I can see the Batmobile in the background. Yeah. yeah. And Sorry, the chair kind of reminded me. No, of no, that's Batman. Captain that, Kirk that's for Paul Dini's artwork all the way and see this is kevin's reaction to what you're saying he's completely just saying no don't care don't care what you gotta say no but that was that was that (laughs) That was was, my concentration chair that was janine's that was janine's makeover with the hair and glasses straight from the animated series there's there's a lot of effort that they went through to basically um what is it when they're where they shy away from the original timeline in order to meet like it, it's not that like the retconning. It's uh, you sell out. <laughs> more or less. I mean, they, 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 okay. they, mm. yes. And and Kevin and I are keeping that in mind to some degree. But we're just having fun riffing on all this, man. Come on, yeah. don't bring no. reality. Also, don't bring I don't money think into you this. Consider real Ghostbusters canon, though. To the to the. Thank you. I no, never it's it, it's not. It's I know that. I know that. It couldn't, be. It couldn't no. be because of the nature of of Ghostbusters two and uh, and the fact that you know. Following the encounter with Gozer, the Ghostbusters remained in business all that time. So, you know, there, yep. there's no, there's no, the connection is is surface only, really. You know. Yeah, they they actually talk about that in Afterlife after yeah. the ghosts stopped appearing in New York. That's yeah. when the Ghostbusters went out of so business. That's the thing. So if you look at so, the, the, the through Afterlife is kind of pretending kind of... like Ghostbusters two didn't happen. I don't know if you've noticed that. Like realistically, they are. Yeah, no, they are. I've only seen it once, so I'd have to rewatch it to 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 focus on that. Yeah. So I'll probably end up doing that before yeah. we, watch, we talk about it next week. <laughs> Depending on what time we can get on, we should have Kevin watch it with us. Because you've only seen it once or I've twice. Seen I've seen it once. I saw it in the theater. I own it. I'm gonna watch it probably probably Monday. Gotcha. Seems to be what I do, but. Uh, <laughs> or or not? I mean, I, I may watch it tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> I know you're not a late night guy. That's the problem. I'm not usually, a late night guy. That's yeah. usually when Kevin. Well, it's late our time, but not Rich's time. So that's well, usually see, when we do that's it. That's the only reason why we're doing this late is because this time is perfect for me to record. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, we. I, apo- I, I apologize for living across the world in the future. <laughs> well, right. in order in order for it to work, we did. The first episode, mm-hmm. so we did the first episode. I started recording at eight a.m. and it was oh, no, like no, no, that was that wasn't for this. That was for um, real life fiction. That podcast. was for real life fiction. Okay, because yeah. he's so daylight savings doesn't exist there. So it's yes, it, it does. It's flipped though, isn't it? Because yeah. it's yeah, it's flipped. Okay, so it's sixteen <laughs> hours time difference now. But when we recorded back then, it was fifteen hours, and we were like trying to figure out the time. We're like what happened? We're like, Oh, we're going to record it this time. And then it ended up being midnight in Australia when I wanted to record it at 9am here. I'm like, okay, so for this to work, I'm going to have to get up at like six or seven. Yeah, that's not happening. 
And so we did it where we started recording at, um, it was going to be 10 p.m. my time. And then he said, can we do 11 p.m. my time? And I said, fine. And we went yeah. into about 1 a.m. <laughs> yeah, so we started trying to go a little earlier. So that's the whole uh, of that. But I actually found the story about the delay in filming this. And if you want to hear it, it's actually really yes, actually, yeah, I've, I've been actually wanting to find out about all the yeah. complications. You guys have yeah. been talking about the complications with Columbia and everything. So just lay it on me. Tell okay. me, tell me the sorted history of this production. So it says several several factors contributed to the five year gap between the original and the sequel. Bill Murray was on an extended sabbatical from acting and mm -hmm. was angered by the Columbia head, David Putnam, calling him, quote, an actor who makes millions off movies but gives nothing back to his art, end quote. Oh, At geez. a British-American Chamber of Commerce luncheon. Putnam also resented the blockbuster films, like the original, that his studio hit big with in the 1980s. Putnam, uh, When Putnam was fired in 1987, his replacement, Don Steele, made a Ghostbusters sequel a priority. Michael Ovitz, who represented Bill, Harold, and Ivan at Creative Artists Agency, arranged a meeting in early 1988 to smooth tensions and reservations that the four men had had in the ensuing years after the original success. Uh, Kovitz's conflict resolution tactic worked, and production commenced shortly after the end of 1980 uh, Writers Guild of America strike. Okay. So, so put it this of, way, Putnam was a yeah. douche. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, Putnam he, he, was he, a he, put knocker. Yes, <laughs> thank you. You said it perfectly, Kevin. <laughs> so he was more in, in regards to, you know, he wanted to make art. He wanted to make money. Yeah, he wanted to make serious <laughs> films, not, not necessarily entertainment. Yeah, he, he had Columbia focused really on like cheaper, you know, lower budget films that could hopefully get some some acclaim uh prestige blockbusters yeah so uh, lots of prestige films so basically the movies that win an oscar for best movie that no one's ever heard of yeah mm -hmm. okay and, and honestly who cares about the oscars anymore? so those anyway. are those are those are films <laughs> so yeah 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 a film is something like schindler's list a movie is ghostbusters 2 or right. anything michael bay's made <laughs> Oh, don't get me started on Michael Bay. Oh, come on. That was so fun last time. That was so much fun. <laughs> I I, so, Rich, I will. Rich, we talked about this and Kevin. I will I will tell you one thing. I was really bored one night, and this came off of a conversation, I think, probably from when Rich was on Real Life Fiction or maybe mm -hmm. one of our movie podcasts. Actually, it may have been one of our movie podcasts because we were talking Michael Bay. Maybe been one of the Mummy shows because we were talking big movies yeah, with Stephen Summers. <laughs> and um, I watched, uh, what was it, Age of Extinction for the first time. Uh, okay. Transformers. Because it looked awful. And I was just like, I'm bored. Why not? Let's see. And, and I watched it and I was just like, all right, it was fun. <laughs> but he says begrudgingly. <laughs> you're like, you, you sort of stumble away from a Michael Bay film wondering what the hell just happened. Like, depends on the Michael Bay film. Depends. If it's the Transformers. Some of his earlier is... stuff. Well, I mm -hmm. thought was pretty good. Yeah, so I got pissed like... off with Michael Bay when he. Uh, so we were producing. I was a producer on a uh, a PBS series called Honor Squadrons, which is about historic aviation. And so oh, cool. when he was making Pearl Harbor, we shared a guy who was our um, 
basically he he kept everything on track historically when it came to the aircraft, right? And that guy was telling us that um, they actually demanded that they redesign the zeros and flip the wings because it looked cooler, uh, even though they aerodynamically couldn't have even flown. Uh, but that was just like one of many things that he demanded yeah. on that. Yeah. And well, so it wasn't it's, it's like, um, well, it's like that great story Ben Affleck always tells, you know, making Armageddon. And he, he says to Michael Bay, you know, why is it easier for NASA to train oil drillers to go into space than it is to train astronauts to drill? And Michael Bay just told him to go F himself. You know, Sounds Michael Bay doesn't care about that stuff. He's all about what looks good. But things like, okay, Pain and Gain, you know, that was a, I think that was like a, it was a low budget Michael Bay movie. So, you know, $80 million kind of thing. That one, no, I don't come away dizzy from that. I, so where he lost me for good was there was a show, a reality show called On the Lot. It had Carrie mm -hmm. Fisher. It had um, uh, Gary Marshall and they would have a guest judge. Uh, and the, the premise of the show was Steven Spielberg was producing it. All these filmmakers would come in and basically do a 48-hour film. And the winner got a contract with Spielberg. Cool. Uh, Michael Bay had made Transformers at that time. Yeah. And so he was one of the guest judges. And he comes on and there's this kid who is just a genius with CG, CGI. So in a 48-hour period, he made this like seamless CGI film. And Bay, his whole thing was, well, it wasn't, it wasn't at the level of quality of like my film, Transformers, which is in theaters now. Uh, so I'm gonna have to say no, you know, and 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 trash this guy. And every time he opened his stupid ass mouth. It was that kind of stuff. So that guy right. lost me forever at that point. Okay, understandable, understandable. Keep in mind. <laughs> no, no, I, honestly, that is understandable. And I have to admit, if I saw the episode, I probably would also I'm going to find this... that and send it to you guys. <laughs> okay. And I would have the same reaction. <laughs> Keep in mind, though, who produced the Transformers movie? Steven Spielberg. Was that, was, that was Spielberg, right, yeah. Yeah, that was, that's the thing. Spielberg was the actual guy who did Transformers. Michael Bay just basically handled the visuals. Everything else was Spielberg. It's more right. of a Spielberg movie than it is a Michael Bay movie. And I've talked about this with Matt before on previous episodes. I have this theory when it comes to directors and sequels. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the first movie, they have to obey the rules. So for example, you look at the first, uh, you know, Tim Burton's Batman movie. You look at Chris Nolan's Batman movie. It's Mommy 99. A, yeah, it's a Batman movie. It's a mummy movie. Then when you watch the sequel, that's when the director gets to go, I'm making my movie. Yeah. So you even look at Guillermo del Toro with Hellboy 1 and then Hellboy 2. Same thing. Michael Bay does Transformers and it's pretty coherent. I'll admit it's a coherent movie. I liked the first yep. two yep. for sure. The first three right. were pretty good. Yep. Then when you watch Transformers 2, all of a sudden you're seeing they're going, are those giant swinging Transformer testicles I'm seeing? Or is that the third movie? Or is that the fourth movie? But That's... is that sort of the second or third movie yeah i can't See, remember but that's the thing in the, sec the second movie bay just goes right i've proven to uncle steve i can do this and now i'm cutting loose yeah so for me the first movie is not michael bay that's a steven spielberg joint <laughs> yeah that kind of feels like this movie too to a degree doesn't it uh-huh yeah 
where the second movie was like, this is our movie. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. You, you look at Ivan, other, other, uh, other Ivan Reitman movies like Stripes. Right. Right. Ghostbusters 2 is definitely more in line with Stripes in regards to the humor and the amount of humor in that and movie. Evolution, to- was interesting. So, Evolution is another one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep, Evolution. Um, yeah, that's the, thing. the sequel is phenomenal. always more. Huh? The sequel is always more of the director's movie. The first one well, is just, for the. Yeah, just saying Evolution. I found it interesting that yeah. that sort of the premise of Ghostbusters two though was the was that our negative all of our negativity and negative emotions are having an impact beyond just our personal relationships. Oh yeah, you know? that was like the premise of the movie. Oh yeah, um, yeah. man. Just imagine if it were shot today. <laughs> and they and they linked it when he said it's a it's a so theory that Ray and I slime yeah and 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 Egon goes it's a theory that Ray and I had when we were still Ghostbusters yes. so right. they're just they're retconning it into the existing universe but it, but it works though and oh it does you got to admit it does the, the the mayor of New York's reaction to that idea you know he turns and says it's every New Yorker's God given right to be this way <laughs> yeah what do you want me to do. I've, Go on the air and tell millions of people they have to be nice to one another. Yeah. Well, I, that was a recurring theme, right? Winston yeah. even said something like that. Like, ah, oh, yep. New York, you know? What like a, that's, yeah. And it was a way of acknowledging that that is a part of the character of New York as a, as a city and community. But What's that? I've, I've, I've never been to New York. So for me, everything I know about New York comes from movies and TV shows. And... Yeah, you do get this sense that New York is a bit of a crabby town in regards to the personality. I think it's improved, but I, but yes, I, it it definitely. Well, it, it, the city, the city, the island. The you city. get to the, yeah. you get to the, you get to the mainland. Uh, it's entirely different. I'm sorry, New York. For me, New York is just the island of Manhattan. The rest of it right. doesn't exist. Brooklyn is I its agree. own beast. No, I yeah. agree. Even having been there, spent time there, I still feel that way. I think, and in fact, I think a lot of New Yorkers feel that way. So, 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 so perfect example, right? So, Buffalo, mm-hmm. it, you know, Bills fans, right? Mm-hmm. They're crazy. They're jumping in the tables. They're partying in the snow. They're like tailgating in t- ten feet of snow. Okay, what's tailgating? I'm sorry, sorry. To That's when you what's party t- in the parking lot of a sporting event. And the reason yeah. it's called tailgating is because tailgates of trucks, trucks, and they put the tailgates down. And they set up barbecue grills and they set okay. you up. I've got a follow-up question. Sure. All right. Why would yes, you, you party? In the back. Thank you. <laughs> Why would you party? Why would you party in the parking lot when you before. can party? Before. Oh, okay. And, so basically it's the American. Okay. It's the American. Yeah, before and okay. after. Yeah. Okay. It's the American version of pre-drinks. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Yes. So, so the idea is get wasted, have a great time in the parking lot for three or four hours go in don't really buy anything from the vendors because it's a ripoff you're already yeah and you're already and then at the end you are sober up to do it again yeah. okay that makes total sense all right awesome thank you but, for explaining but, that but when you look at the history of like bills fans and you see the way they act and you see like the passion and you see the like over the topness they don't it doesn't like for me it doesn't scream new york yeah it screams like it's usa Tennessee. Chicago. No, to me, it's it screams like <laughs> Appalachia, USA. It screams like right. the country. But that's why when you get into like different so parts the, of yeah, New York, the it's nowhere about New York is that it's all that city. But there's no. a, quite a bit of rural New York. A lot of farms. A lot of, a lot of oh farms. yeah. 
Isn't Sleepy Hollow in New York? Good question. Uh, okay, I'm talking to a I think that's in here. Mass. No, no, that's, that's Salem. Salem. That's Salem. Yeah. No, I, I think Sleepy Hollow, Hollow is. In New York. That could yeah. very well be. Well, it's not. All Americans don't know each other. I don't know if you're aware of this. We don't what? all live. Really? It's a big country. No. <laughs> no. So here's the deal. So no. My, my wife and I, um, you know, we were we were van lifers. For yeah. See, that's why I'm asking years, you, right? Kevin. You should know this. Right. Well, we never went to Sleepy Hollow, so I, maybe, oh. maybe I missed out on on something important. But we didn't did see Johnny. Like a month or so in in New York, driving around New York State, and it it's it's nothing like you think having grown up why i also i grew up you know in in south texas and i everything i knew about new york came from the movies mostly okay. ghostbusters it's That's a hudson, hudson valley <laughs> hudson valley in new york so it's yeah, in see, the it's on the it's new york state not new york right. city uh, but see that explains why you're so normal kevin you're from texas that's right the australia of the united states thank you yes <laughs> <laughs> australia and australia is the texas of the world I will admit that. I will gladly admit that. <laughs> although, although the uh, fauna of Australia is more like Arizona. <laughs> That's true. In that it, it wants to kill. I don't. You it, wants here to in kill the you Texas bad. Hill Country, we got a lot yeah. of stuff that wants to kill you. Yeah, you do. Um, yeah, you got a lot of you got a lot of a lot of rattlers and a lot of nasty on the scale of of Australia. No, nowhere near. No. We don't have drop bears, which I was literally thinking about today. When I took a walk, because there's a nature trail that runs behind my home, and yeah. uh, I kept hearing all these noises <laughs> and these like chittering and stuff, and it turned out to be really massively large squirrels. But I kept thinking, there's going to be a drop bear dro <laughs> drop down on me for the first time in my life. Now that I know they exist. <laughs> yep, and I will admit I didn't tell you this because I didn't want to scare you last week, but I'll tell you now: their favorite food is Americans. Yeah, well, who doesn't love a good American? I mean, we're we're fairly meaty individuals, and we're fairly greasy. So, yeah. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Right but it's on. the good fat. Yeah. Oh, it's the okay. It's the good fat. So, That's the important thing. so I'd like to spend at least like maybe the next forty-five minutes to an hour talking <laughs> <laughs> to yourself because I'm going to be on. <laughs> No, because so I have our Facebook group, uh, Armchair Directors oh, Podcast. That's right. So it's facebook.com yes. slash groups slash Armchair Directors Podcast. There was some commentary. There is some commentary. And actually, one of them is a lady that a lot of us know is Allison Valentine. Um, she does a lot of modding for some other groups. And uh, she does Ernest Dempsey's group. And she helps uh, David Barons with his group. Uh, and she's in very active in a bunch of different reader groups. Uh, but Maybe she actually... group. Yeah. She actually posted a question that uh, I know Rich was going to talk about, and I thought it was hilarious. But um, okay. I, I don't know if you saw this question or this question yet, Rich. No. So, so she said probably one of the worst slashed bad movies I have ever watched, Rage of the Mummy. But I couldn't oh. stop watching until the end. Yes. What is the worst slash bad movie you watched until the end? My quote was. Prisoners of the Sun. But we didn't, though. We skipped through it. We watched a lot of it. We watched a lot of it. And I and I said, utter garbage with such a great concept. I said, then again, I should have known something was off when the lead character's name was Doug. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I did see that He was one. supposed to be a one. uncharted Indiana Jones character, but his first name was Doug. 
and yep. he was one of the stars from the original Baywatch. Yep. So I, I did I did see that and I did reply. My answer was the Green Knight. Oh, you, oh, there you are. Yep, I see it. Yep. So yeah, for me it was the Green Knight. Um, it was one of the worst movies I've seen in recent times, and it was boring, visually muddy, um, with nothing worthwhile except a unhinged performance by Joel Edgerton. You know, and if you've seen the Green Knight, it's based off the um, a part of it was Galahad, based off Galahad mm-hmm. and the Green Knight from Arthurian legend, and. I've never seen anything done by the director, um, David Lowry. And it just put me off everything that I just went, if this is what this guy does, no, I don't want to see any other movie he made. And I looked up, he did the live action remake of Disney's Pete's Dragon from a couple of years back. That wasn't bad. That wasn't bad because that was Carl Urban. That was. Uh, a, did it a have few... Jim Dale being a, a uh, scam artist medicine dick doctor? Uh, probably not. This was up in yeah. the boons of Oregon or Washington State or something, I think is where that movie took place. Did it have any um, singing at all? <laughs> no, it didn't have Mickey Rooney. Uh See, I don't want to be in, I don't want anything to do with it then. <laughs> <laughs> so so but Prisoners of the Sun. So when when Rich and I we looked up two movies and we Prisoners of the Sun and then the other one was actually a good movie, which was Primal with Nicolas hey, Cage. No, 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 no. No. Th- that was all you. You're the one who said, Hey, let's watch these. You sent me the trailers. Yeah, <laughs> but Prisoners of the Sun <laughs> was like, it was John Rice davies and mm-hmm. it featured a mummy movie. And I'm like, oh, that could be cool. I mean, it's Sala and it's Prisoners. I'm like, that's, it was had Josh so, in it. It, it had promise. Josh, it was so bad. It was so bad. So mm-hmm. Ke- Kevin, um, do you have something to add to this? <laughs> what is the Are worst? Are you familiar with the Polonia brothers? Sounds familiar. So they they were independent filmmakers, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched their... They have a film called Hellspawn, shot mm-hmm. on VHS in 1993, <laughs> uh, but had, had a uh, wide release through what is now Asylum Films. Uh, so... <laughs> no way. Terrible, okay. awful movie. I mean, there's a... There's a there's a sex scene where afterward we get to see the guy drop his used condom on the floor. If that's oh. uh, so, yeah, a completely awful movie. <laughs> the, the, the the monster in the film played this weird harmonica, and he would just blow into it, and that was sort of like his death cry. That that meant you were about to die. But it was literally a guy wearing a rubber monster mask blowing into a harmonica so uh, kind of like the aztec death whistle from Afterlife. kind of like the aztec death whistle <laughs> except it didn't wasn't cool and ah. uh there was a scene where a car drove off of a cliff and exploded and it is so obviously a model car i think you can actually see the hand of the guy <laughs> who's pushing it off of the tiny cliff so that so, it can roll down and explode. So and we're talking up. Ed Wood level of production. Although Ed Wood, Ed Wood was Spielberg compared wow. to Wow. I interviewed one of the Polonia brothers years <laughs> later for I was doing a blog for the Houston Chronicle called um, Making Movies. And I interviewed the guy and asked him about it. And he's like, Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but they actually went on to to make more serious films for asylum but still the, the okay, studio that, that brought you sharknado for example yeah i was gonna say it's asylum they do quality schlock 
I'm actually I have always been very impressed by Asylum as a, yeah. as a studio. Yeah. Did they also they, do like they did um you know like there was Transformers and I think they yeah. put out Transmorphers and they did yes. those anytime yeah. there was a hit movie. So when Sherlock came out, the the uh Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. version, um they did Sherlock versus Robots. Yep, I remember that. <laughs> Uh, Jurassic Park, they they had a, a knockoff of Jurassic Park. So what they were, honestly, it, it so was during the heyday of uh, Kaiju World. Yeah, they did. Stuff, hey, yeah. So they, hey. this was during this was during the uh, the heyday of Blockbuster, right? And what they yeah. knew, their secret to success. That that's a book Rich wrote. Yeah, I wrote yeah. a book called Kaiju World. So you know, I'm going to just flip off that for a bit. Right? Okay. <laughs> You're not supposed to take slams at the other guests. I mean, the yeah, other uh, host. He's not a guest. He's a host. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. We're going to leave you alone, Kevin. Don't worry. You're safe. It's just, <laughs> man. I, I was can actually, take it. I, was, I can take it. I was proud of that 30,000 word novel for Seven Press. I was proud of that one, man. <laughs> Everybody's first novel is questionable. That's No, that was my second. <laughs> that was my second. Well, that's not so excusable, Rich. That's... that's uh... <laughs> It gets even better. It gets even better. Well, work with me here, man. Give me a give me a way to help you. I'm help well, me help you, Rich. Okay, this could this could help. When I was writing that book, I was listening to the soundtracks to Pacific Rim and both Jurassic Park and The Lost World. So maybe that helps. Okay, all right. That'll definitely help. Yeah. So, so <laughs> let's go back to Ghostbusters two. Yeah. Ghostbusters two. Definitely I was gonna keep. I was gonna keep going through questions on the oh, podcast page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, do that. Do that. Oh yeah, do let's that. do that. No, okay. yeah, let's do that. So here's another one, and this is um we mentioned on the show before is a uh, DS Ellery. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's one of our more um, uh, oh. trying to vocal. Yes, thank you. Vocal oh, he's listeners. Hell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah, very active. Wrong. Yeah, he's one of our more active. So he said. Um, for New Year's Eve, I'm boozing it up a bit and watching a series of movies, uh, be they standalone one-shot films or underappreciated sequels in a larger franchise, that I feel deserve a little bit more love than they got. Which brings me to this kick-ass 1994 adaptation of the classic cult, pulp noir crime fighter, The Shadow, with Alec yes. Baldwin. Yeah. So I love the music. I love everything about it. I love the cast, the production design, the superb score by Jerry, Jerry Goldsmith. Goldsmith. That's it. Yep. yep. Uh, the writing, the fact that it really does brightly honor the source material. This is the one uh, one that list of the films alongside The Rocketeer, which is another one that Rich and I have I talked about. The yeah. yeah, The Rocketeer yeah, is great. It, it, actually, those two movies are the perfect double feature. Yeah, they really are. Sure. So, yeah. But uh, I, I just thought when I saw Shadow and Rocketeer together, I'm like, oh, man, I really got to read this one because those are two yeah. movies that are, are truly underappreciated. Oh, yeah. And, and, and honestly, both of those are big parts of my or big parts of my childhood watching as well sure. um, more especially the rocketeer but i love this so my dad was a magician he used to be a restaurant magician um he did a stage show and all the stuff but he had a book um that you know he had for many 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 years he got it when he was young and getting into magic it was written by a guy called walter gibson and growing up i'd always seen this book you know on his shelf and i said to him you know has this walter gibson guy done anything different anything else you know and dad said yeah this is the guy who created the shadow. Hmm. And, and, and and I can't I had that moment of give me a second. Wait a minute. What do you mean the shadow? Like the shadow shadow. And he goes, Yeah. Alec Baldwin, yeah. 
you know, because he said it was a radio character and then Walter and the, it was a radio character. And when that got translated to go to the pulp pages as a story, Walter Gibson was the guy who created everything. So when it was when the original um, before Orson Welles did the uh, did the radio show because it was a different guy, mm-hmm. it was just a crime fighter. And Walter Gibson added the ability to clouds men's mind. Lamont Cranston, Walter Gibson wrote all of that. Do you know who uh, actually wrote the movie though? Ah, uh, Stephen Sommers, <laughs> David Cope. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, one of our one of our favorites that we've talked about several. In the hearts of men. Yeah, the shadows. Oh, and and then <laughs> I, I actually after like you know watching the shadow, you get to a certain age and you go, okay, I want to know more about this character. Listening to the original radio shows that Orson right. Welles did, and the way he does that, you know what? Who knows what lurks in the in the um, hearts of men? The laugh he does, it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, great cast too. Really, really oh. good cast. Peter Boyle, oh. John Lone, Ian Tim, Kevin, Curry, Tim Curry, yep. Jonathan Winters, James Hong. Uh, quite a, quite a few. Yep. So and Alec Baldwin and, did a great job as as Lamont Cranston. I mean, and he, as the show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and Russell uh, Mulcahy he directed the hell out of that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did a good job on it, and then of course Rocketeer, which. Uh, great villain Timothy Dalton. I mean, I know he's yeah. always a he's always a favorite of Riches, but um, yes, yeah, you can't meet, you can't miss him, you can't beat him. Sorry, and doing an Errol Flynn because there's that rumor, and it's been debunked, but there's a rumor that Errol Flynn was a Nazi spy, which I think is brilliant because he was just a boy from Tasmania. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, and, and Timothy that... Dalton, he's got the swag. Sorry, he's got that swagger, mm-hmm. and I've always loved that movie Rocketeer. Watching it because you've got the character of Hondo, you know, based off um, an old big sci-fi horror movie actor from the fifties. Um, you had, you know, and and yeah, just oh, that's it. I'm rocking. I'm watching the Rocketeer later, yeah. and d- <laughs> directed by the amazing Joe Johnston, who has a massive history and uh, not a guy, not a lot of uh, a guy that a lot of people talk about. I know we we've tried to give him, about him. Yeah, we've spoken about him just because he uh, Jurassic uh, Jurassic Park three, Captain America: First Avenger, October Sky. He was huge with uh, visual effects with ILM back in the Indiana Jones and Star Wars days. Um, did you do Jumanji? I believe he did Jumanji as well, if I'm not mistaken. There you go. Yeah, yeah, he directed Jumanji. Yep, yep. The Page Master, uh, mm-hmm. uh, live action sequences. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yep. I mean big big dude behind and you know it kind of makes sense when you think about his background with indiana jones and stuff so yeah. and and like that serial yeah. action adventure so and and the thing i've always kind of thought is the way jay johnson did the rocketeer it was almost like a frank capra superhero movie yeah yeah thank you kevin thank you because yeah i, I spoke about frank capra with um yeah. matt the other day and he kind of had this blank look on his face like he had no idea who that was <laughs> I'm not as familiar with his work, so I, I know of it, but I, not enough to hold like somewhat he of an did. intelligible conversation. You can yeah, have intelligible well, conversations. Did, uh, I said somewhat. He did, he did. It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Sometimes it is. That. Yeah. I love that line from uh, Batman the Animated Series where where Dick Grayson <laughs> asked him, "You've never seen It's a Wonderful Life?" He says, "I could never get past the title." Yes. Uh. <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah. And Kevin yeah. Conroy's delivery is perfect. <laughs> oh 
God rest his soul, man. I, I know. I, I have. I have to admit, I've never. You know, like when celebrities die and kind of everyone goes a little overboard with their reaction. Mm-hmm. I've. I've always said, okay, Alan Rickman died. Yeah, it's sad, and all that. When I found out about Kevin Cronenberg, I actually went. You know, I had that moment of, oh damn, Batman's dead. <laughs> I know. Well, he. Yeah, he is. He has been Batman for an entire generation of us uh, yep. who grew up with the animated series and, and all the subsequent animated Batman. Well, that's what happened to me when Christopher Reeve got hurt. Yeah. I'm like, you tell me Superman can't walk anymore? That's like, you know, it's just, it's one of those like, what? <laughs> just, yeah. Because it's, it's just it's iconic. A, yeah, and, that, and that's, that's that's the thing. Like, you know, talking with my, fa- like my family, we're all big Batman fans. So we always usually, you know, sometimes we have that big debate, who's the best Batman? And all of us will agree the best Batman was always Kevin Conroy. Yeah. And then, you know, you had your favorite yeah. live action version. And yeah, it, yeah, it really got me that Batman no longer had a voice because, you know, I play the Arkham games and yeah. he voices Batman there. So it's kind of, you know, it's like, yeah. damn, who's going to be Batman now? In, in the same way, I can't hear, I can't hear anyone else do Joker. Yes. You know, Mark Hamill's just Joker. You know exactly. So, in fact, I think he's better at Joker than he was at Luke Skywalker, frankly. (laughs) Yeah, no, honestly, actually, honestly, yeah, he was much more talented. But Luke is a very one-dimensional kind of wishy-washy. He's he's supposed to be the hero, so he can't do anything interesting with that. (laughs) Right. Whereas the Joker, you know, it's always more fun to play a villain than it is the hero. Truth. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, I know. A ton, look, yeah, there's a ton of actors that will yeah. absolutely vouch for that. Yeah, you look at Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. Anytime he plays a villain, you can tell he's having the time of his life. And then he plays a hero, you can tell he's like, eh. You look at Vincent right. Price; he made a career out of playing villains. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And he he just Peter pulled Laurie, it off. Peter Christopher Lee. <laughs> oh, Christopher right. Lee. Uh, yeah, after we do the episode about the, our favorite scores, we go to our favorite villains now, our favorite villain actors. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. No, we'll definitely do that. But uh, none of that has anything to do with Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> oh, come on. No, there's one more comment you've got to, uh, you've got to do. Come on. And it is related to last week's episode. You've got to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. The one, yeah, we talked about off air before. I forgot about it. Yeah, so come on. Uh, this come on. Dir- directly <laughs> talks back to the last show, Ghostbusters show. Uh, and it's uh, from Ryan Martin, uh, loyal reader as well as uh, listener. Uh, Ryan, Matt, Matt directs it at me, which, you know, it is my. My quote, my comment. So, uh, how dare you diss Lagavulin and say those scotches taste like lighting your shoe on fire and drinking it, or compare the smell to an ashtray? I learned how to appreciate scotch and whiskey because I loved the smell. It smells like campfire to me. I've got the first Offerman batch as well. Now, campfires only smell like Isla scotches if you light them with tires. So a tire fire is still technically a campfire in a way. If you're a hobo. Yes. Hey, I'm not. <laughs> However you want to live your life, that's up to you. Right. So. We at Armchair Directors do not judge. No, no. Oh, God, no. But, and then I said, scotch is great. Isla scotches are something entirely different. 90 plus percent of all scotches uh, do not taste like burned rubber. 
so there we go. But that was just uh, that was a funny little uh, conversation we had because uh, Kevin was enjoying himself a little bit of an offerman on the show last week, and and, uh, and you to open your big fat trap, Matt. <laughs> I I think I could listen back to that, and I remember saying that there are certain ones that I do like, but in no, general, you, I don't. You didn't say there are certain ones you like. You just went on the rampage, and <sighs> Kevin cried. Oh no, you know what I did? I, I said I'd rather drink mezcal. Yeah. Yeah. And if I want smoke, honestly, that's a bit of half the half, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other for, for me between mezcal and, you know, yeah. that sort of scotch. That's <laughs> true. That's true. In case anyone's interested this week, it's Mitchers Kentucky bourbon. Nice. Yeah. I am. Is it, is it, what, is it any good, though? That's the question. Because um, I've actually only. It's funny. I was reading a um, article today about bourbon, and it mentioned that particular bourbon, Kevin. I've never had it before. Is it any good? Yeah, it is. It's, I love it. Um, it's one of it's my probably going to be pretty pricey for you. Oh, I, I've never seen it in Australia. That's the thing. So yeah, yeah. If, if, I was going to say if you even see it over there, but uh, yeah, it's going to be one of those ones. If I ever want to try it, I've got to go all. I'm going to do the 14 hour flight to the to the USA to go and find it. <laughs> Oh, look, the trick is what we'll do is buy a bunch of snow globes. We'll empty the water out of them and we'll fill them with Mitchers. And then I like ship it. you a box of snow globes. We're going to have a Please ship also, you a box of brown snow globes. Brown, Please brown remove snow the actual globes. snowflakes, too. <laughs> I did not say anything about taking the snow out. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, a crunchy treat. <laughs> a synthetic, glittery, crunchy treat. I mean, at that. Well, it's like, yeah. No, I was just say at that point, what what does it matter? <laughs> you're gonna, mouth's gonna be a little numb as it is. You're not really gonna. Oh, I'll strain it. I'll strain yeah, it. Strain it. <laughs> Don't you worry. I'll, I'll, I'll treat it right. <laughs> no, so, Mitch, Mitch, Mitchers is good. Mitchers is good. Uh, my friend PJ, it's his favorite. Uh, so he he vouches oh, for it all PJ. the time. I like it. Uh, he's. It's just always been his favorite, and uh, it's something he always has at the house when we go over. He lives over in uh, Clearwater, over on the west coast of Florida. And uh, uh, we'll go and stay with him, and he always has a uh, always has a bottle ready to go. So, yeah. actually, I'll be drinking quite a bit with PJ this weekend. They're coming down to stay with us for a few days, so uh, it'll be fun. Wait, First time we're going to meet the new baby. So, no, we're probably pro- we're probably not going to be able to watch a movie this weekend. Sorry, Rich. Oh, <laughs> you and Kevin can watch one if you want. Oh, Kevin knows I, how I to know. use Streamyard. So, sounds I like I would have to watch it late. That's not going to happen. No. no, I can watch it early. I can do an early one. It's okay. <laughs> oh, for you, Kevin, I'll make the time. I'll do an early viewing just for you. <laughs> that's how much I respect you, unlike Matt. You know what movie um, I'm going <laughs> to watch soon uh, that's not Ghostbusters? And I thought of it because you, we were talking about The Shadow, but I'm going to watch mm-hmm. Dark Man. Ah, oh, good choice. Yeah. See, I haven't seen it tr- forever, and uh, I have fond memories of it. It still holds up. It's still holds up as a good schlocky um, pop hero. Liam Neeson, movie. right? Yes, yeah, Liam, Liam Neeson. Um, yeah. Sam Raimi. You know, he wanted to, Sam, Sam Raimi. Raimi wanted he wanted to do The Shadow and Phantom of the Opera, and he couldn't get the rights to either of them. Right. So he he went. So I'm going to do both of them. Yeah, he did both in the and same. It's brilliant. Movie. It's brilliant, yeah. and that's yeah that that's what made me think of it. I, it that's so that's a triple feature I got to watch. I got to watch. Yes. Uh, Rocketeer, Shadow, and Darkman. You must have a lot of time on your hands. 
Didn't say I was going to watch them all at once. That's really I know it's a triple feature, but triple I'll put a gap is. in there. Yeah. Well, no, triple features, you do one after the other, and you do three movies. Yeah. You don't watch them simultaneously. That's just crazy. No, that's what I mean. I mean, that's <laughs> a, that's like, that would be actually really funny to try. I mean, I was kind of doing that earlier. I was watching Ghostbusters 2. Uh, I had it on one monitor, and I was listening to it. And then on my left monitor, I was watching uh, Landmark, who's my favorite professional gamer. Uh, see, and see, if you're going to watch a movie, give it the deference. Give it the deference. It's due. All those people worked long hours. They spent a lot of time and effort and money to entertain you. So you focus on it. You don't have some Twitch streamer playing as well. That's just insulting. Come on. I know. He's live, and I've seen this movie, you know, 20, 30 times. So yeah, but you're not doing a, a podcast lot. about him. You're doing a podcast <laughs> about this movie. Come on. Get your priorities straight. And I'm sorry, Kevin. I'm sorry you had to see that. That's something That's you okay. have done behind Closed and, doors. I'm and, sorry. That's okay. I am and, half asleep. Yeah. Um, and speaking of priorities, no, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to ask you guys to rank the uh, the three. I know we haven't talked about the third film yet, but I was going to ask mm-hmm. you to rank the three films. Ooh, okay. Okay. Um, go ahead. Well, Matt, you want to go first? No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, all right, for me, it's two, one, and then three. Really? Interesting, and and then then way back way down in number four, actually no, way down in in, in number a million because I'll never ever watch it again. Ghostbusters twenty sixteen. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, suppose I should finish watching it first. I slept through the movie. No, no, so. don't bother with twenty sixteen. Just which I think just stick- made it a much better film, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> just I made it. I made it through the first. Man, maybe maybe through. maybe 10 or 15 minutes i can't remember how far i got no, into it all the way through because i saw it at the cinema so i couldn't get my money back so did kevin and he fell asleep yeah 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 my 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 i saw it with my um ex-wife and she militant feminist and so if i started to lose attention i got jabbed in the elbow okay yeah <laughs> didn't didn't make the viewing experience any more better <laughs> No. I will. Uh, I I I do feel like I should watch it at some point again. I don't know. I tried. I actually tried uh, fairly recently to watch it. Um, I think I was in a hotel room. And it was on. I don't. I don't know. But it. It. I couldn't do it. I could not do it. I, I will. I will recommend this. If you. If for either of you, for any reason, decide yes, one hundred percent, I'm going to watch this steaming pile of crap. Get just, a buzz on I'll just while clean. get a buzz on before you watch it. <laughs> I have a dog and a cat. I got plenty of steaming piles of crap I can watch. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> okay, I got more phrase. important things to do. I guess I, I got books to write. I don't. I yeah. don't have time for this. Uh, yeah. So so don't worry about ever watching Ghostbusters 2016. But so for me, my ranking is definitely number one is Ghostbusters two, then it's Ghostbusters one, and then it's Afterlife. Yeah, for me it's one, three, two. Um, three, I would honestly say, as far as like impact, like mm-hmm. I, I could almost put it number one to be honest. But the reason I don't is because of Ghostbusters one. Is yeah. I also understand that Afterlife means nothing without Ghostbusters. Right. So I love Afterlife. I love the meaning behind it. Like I said, I've I've told people I've I've cried several times watching it, and it's just I've seen it. There's there's parts of the movie that just get me, and and movies that do that. There's it's 
it's few and far between nowadays, honestly, just because storytelling isn't what it used to be. But um, because of the nostalgia, well, it's a nostalgia. So, I mean, the nostalgia came from somewhere. It can't just be, oh, I love Afterlife. Well, no, you love Afterlife because of what Ghostbusters meant to you. So, uh, for me, it's one in three are probably way up there. Two is a little bit further behind, but still very enjoyable. Like, if, if I were to rank these in, like, an overall top whatever list, two wouldn't be, like, so far behind. But the, the other one in three would definitely be a little bit higher, it, I guess, yeah. is a way to look at it. Um, but, yeah, uh, there's nothing else more I can say, to be honest. They're just, they're all great movies. It's just, which one do you prefer, I guess? I think so. I think my answer is very much the same. I will say this about two. I had a very low opinion of, of Ghostbusters two for years, but having rewatched it in the past like twenty four hours, uh, I think I was being a little tough on it. I think it's actually a much better film than I had given it credit for. I I I, I still think it's the weakest of the three by by a long stretch. Mm-hmm. Also, but I I I see it as it didn't get quite the fair shake it should have gotten mm-hmm. from from anybody. It was kind of the movie that nobody wanted to make, mm-hmm. but they made it for the fans. And uh, I think you know, at least as far as that goes, it did well. They were. It was projected to. They were. They really thought it was going to just blow up and make even more money than the first film, um, which you know by far did not happen. But it wasn't even the top grossing film of that year but uh it was the movie it was the little movie that could i think i think it did i think it was a much better film than i ever gave it credit for sure no and and i mean they it served its purpose because it it drilled in more advertising it drilled in more merchandising it drilled in another uh generation of fans um so it it did its job in the long run it's just the the um box office numbers weren't and and yeah we've talked about it on the show rich and i have in the past where you see the um the box office numbers and they look a lot weaker than you thought they would but then you realize that they probably did double that in merchandise so what does it matter yeah uh so it's like eh. so that's kind of like this this birthed a whole another round of merchandising and stuff and i mean at the end of the day especially in the 80s late 80s early 90s when you think of like movie related toys Oh yeah, it was massive. Massive, and then you had the the cartoon. So I mean, they had a lot going for them, regardless of this. This yeah. was really being made because of the success of the cartoon show, uh, oh, yeah. to be honest. So, and, you, and, and it like could we have talking, been a whole lot worse. <laughs> oh, it could have been a whole lot worse. You know, luckily, yeah. luckily, everybody that was on the original project wanted to make this movie at the end of the day. They were like, "Yeah, let's do it. Why not?" I mean, we we've wanted to do this for years, so at least it wasn't like only Ray and Winston came back or only this guy and this guy came, you know, and they had yeah. to completely dismantle the team. Although it almost team. was something like that. Like, you know, cause uh, Bill Murray did not want to return to it. And so, yeah, it was, mm-hmm. it was the, it was almost that. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, thankfully he did. And Eddie he... Murphy almost came back though. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, finally, finally, he almost came back five years, five years later. <laughs> hey, better late than never. Yeah, so but. I think it's 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 time we're we're supposed to wrap up by now, right? Yeah. yeah so so the way we wrap up, as you should remember, Kevin, if you're still I don't awake. Okay. I don't remember. What, okay. Sum up. Sum up. What Ghostbusters Two means for you. 
in mm. as few words as possible. Uh, it was <clears throat> Ghostbusters 2 meant to me uh, a chance to see old friends. That's what it meant to me. That's good. That, that's good. I like that. I, I, yeah. I, I really like that. <laughs> I like that a lot too. Um, yeah. For me, it was like, it was the band getting back together and it was just, let's, let's have a good time. And you could tell, cause look, we talked about the way it was written. It felt like this was their movie versus yeah. the production company's movie. Yeah. Like we've talked about and it just, it felt more what I was talking about as far as the style of comedy, where it was like that buddy comedy where everybody had like that equal voice. The jokes yeah. were purposeful. Uh, it wasn't just situational. Um, and it was just, like I said, it was just like getting the band back together, you know, as a Dan Aykroyd Blues Brothers reference, but there we go. Yeah. yeah. Totally agree with both of you. Um, mm -hmm. For me, it's just always been dumb fun. See, I, I don't know if I would call it dumb fun, though, because it's still, well, very, me, it's still an me, intelligent comedy to a degree. See, when I say dumb fun, for me, it's a case of, okay, I know these guys and I get to watch them do what they do best. Yeah. I get to watch Venkman be a used mm -hmm. car salesman. I get to watch Egon be a straight-laced, ultra-serious scientist who collects spores, molds, and fungus. I get to watch yeah. Ray be an ultra-excited kid. Yeah. You and, know, by the way, get, and then Winston's the glue that holds them all together. Yeah, I get to see all that again to me, and that's fun. It? How appropriate was it that Peter Venkman was the host of a cheesy late-night yep. <laughs> psychic TV show? And I think yep. that's like the perfect, the perfect ending. Actually. They think they think you're a con man. I am. I am <laughs> yes, I am a aren't fraud. We, I am a fraud. That's what I said. They think yeah. you're a fraud. Aren't we all as authors? Aren't we all frauds to some extent? Yeah, I love I love to sign off though. It's like, you know, uh, see you next week on World of the Psychic. Until then, this is Peter Bengman saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. See you next week. But, uh, see you next time. When I was younger, I never Hairless got that. <laughs> when I was Weird. a young kid, and I got yeah. to a certain age, and I and then it hit me what he was doing, and it just made it even funnier. Yeah. yeah. So, but seeing as though Kevin wants to leave, oh yeah, I'm going <laughs> to sleep here. And like, I I hadn't noticed. Minutes. Yes, I hadn't noticed. <laughs> I will remind everyone. Uh, find us on Facebook, the uh, uh, Facebook.com slash groups slash Armchair Directors Podcast. Uh, like it's a very active group. Um, I would like to read a few of these as the weeks go by. I think it's kind of fun to kind of see what yes. you guys and to give you guys a thank you for commenting and, and being a part of the group. Um, also, like and subscribe the show. Please tell your friends. Um, we do post when we have shows come out. They come out later Friday, early Saturday, depending on when I can get everything kind of uh, ready to rock. But um, doing this weekly. Uh, next week we'll be back. Uh, Kevin will be back with uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, wrapping up our Ghostbusters uh, trilogy, because there's only three of these movies in existence, um, yes. officially. Technically, yes. there's four. No, 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 no. It doesn't an exist. entire Kevin. animated series. Yeah, the animated series exists. <laughs> the other thing they're talking about doesn't exist. <laughs> no. No, that's like, that's like, that's like the stepbrother that it's been shunted into the same universe as that ghostbusters show that had the gorilla. 
Oh my god! It took me a second to realize what you were talking about, and then it, then I got it. So I don't think Matt knows. <laughs> Ghostbuster show with the gorilla. I must not. You then know, oh, there's a so there was controversy about around the name Ghostbusters uh-huh. because there was like an uh, I don't know what era that movie was. Maybe like the fifties or something. A movie called Ghostbusters that features these two guys and a guy in a gorilla suit. And then they made an animated show after the mm-hmm. popularity of the Ghostbusters film. And I think it was called just simply Ghostbusters. Yep. And that's why yeah. the real Ghostbusters were that's called. That's why they had to call it the real Ghostbusters. The real Ghostbusters. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's why the animated show had to be called that. Okay. I get it. Yep. I get it. All right. All right. Yeah. That's funny. That's funny. No, I didn't know that. I'll have to, I'll have to look that up just for reference. For yeah, a frame of mind, terrible. but <laughs> no, I'm not going to watch it. I'm just going to look it up. But, no, I uh, think you should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't so. punish him, Kevin. Don't punish look, him. And you need to specifically look up Tracy the Gorilla. Tracy uh, the Gorilla. Interesting. That was the gorilla from the Ghostbusters uh, film. And so it's can... not the same gorilla from the uh, the the zoo. What is that movie? The zoo show. The zoo movie with. Uh, uh, What's his name? Uh, Kevin James. So where he's the, the the zookeeper movie. Oh, yeah. When it's no. voiced by Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> I think okay. it's no Stallone is the uh, the lion. So he right. he basically turns into Dr. Doolittle, but he is a zookeeper. And all and of the Kevin, animals, all of the animals speak, and they're all like major celebrities' voices. And it's Kevin James. Kevin James is the zookeeper. It's act, it's it's a it's a fun movie. It, it's okay. Yeah, okay, it's a fun go. movie. 1975 television series, The Ghost Space Busters, <laughs> starring Forrest Tucker, Larry Storch, and Bob Burns. Oh, there's a Storch involved. Larry Storch from. Uh, Storch. Let's see. Let's see. I know talk, he was in We don't talk about things. the Storches on this show. We don't talk about Larry Storch. Storch. He was, was in Airport Storch, 1975. He was yeah, in F Troop. Yep. And wasn't he the voice of Yosemite Sam? Uh, now that I don't know. Ah, sorry. No, Beetle Larry Bailey. Storch. No, Larry Storch was, um, he was in The Great Race. If you've ever seen that Beetle. classic Jack Lemmon and um, Tony Curtis movie, there's a great sequence in that movie where they go to a Western, it's basically a Western town. And there's a character who's a uh, bandito and his refrain is now we'll give, now will someone give me some fighting room. And that's Larry Storch. And because okay. he's got this big sombrero, this big mustache, I always relate him to Yosemite Sam. Okay. Oh, there we go. Oh, it's amazing how the human mind works. Yeah. And a little Most spooky. In a little spooky, but uh, yes. So, so like, anyway, that was like, another yes. Ghostbusters reference. Yes, it was still on topic. So like, like and subscribe, <laughs> like and subscribe the show. Uh, check out Kevin's work on Amazon. Check out Rich's work. Check out my work, please. Like and subscribe. Follow our pages on Amazon. Those uh, new book releases are are pretty handy. But um, thank you very much, guys. Uh, I do appreciate it. Rich, you wanted to say something else. Oh no! I I just had a helpful little fairy who just sent me who just showed me that Larry Storch did voices in later Looney Tunes cartoons. So I was kind of right when I thought he was Yosemite Sam. Yeah, 
See, he, he did a <laughs> lot of voice acting, Scooby Doo, things like that. Yeah. A lot of Hanna Barbera stuff. Yeah. yeah. So you there know, that's there all I wanted go. to say. I had to okay. be vindicated. <laughs> you did. You did. So thank you very much again for the fourth time, and uh, I appreciate everyone for uh, for listening. <laughs> Suddenly, Matt's in a hurry. To this get is yeah. this is uh, another one of our traditional bookends of terrible openings and terrible endings. Yeah, no, they're meandering. not terrible. No, they're so. not terrible. They're purposeful. They're purposeful. And what you need to do is just end the show in the middle of this sentence.